to ungodly behaviour and attitudes. Now, about 30 years before this, the Apostle Paul uh, was speaking to elders in Ephesus and he was warning them about this very thing. Listen to this. This is from um, Acts chapter two, uh, 20, verse 28. Paul says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. That, if you will, is a word of prophecy, right? Paul said, I know that this is going to take place. And what we have in John's writing is that very thing, right? So while John's writing to strengthen the Christians, uh, he's also addressing these false teachings at the same time. So as he, just keep that with you as we, as we travel through the book together. Um, but for now, let's just, let's just pray and then we'll, we'll get into the actual text. To make us a bit more like Christ, to help us to submit a little more to you. Lord, help us to lay down our life like Christ laid down his for us. Help us to, to hear your word, to be challenged by it, to be changed by it. Mm -hmm. Lord, we know your purpose for us is in one sense, sanctification, to be made holy like you are holy. So would you do that now, just a little bit more? We commit this time in, in Jesus' name. Amen. My kids are the best. <laughs> I wish I hadn't gone out now. <laughs> As you might have noticed, they're excitable, they're pretty active. Um, I love it when they've actually got something really exciting to tell me. Like when they, uh, when they go to the beach, right? Um, if I've been at work and Chris has taken them to the beach, uh, they, they come home and they're always just so excited, right? Dad, Dad, you should have seen, you should have seen what we saw. Went to the rock pools and there was, there was jellyfish and starfish and you know, all these things and I've got seaweed all over me and you know, slime and all this stuff. And, yeah, they're so excited, they just come and start um, spewing it all out. Um, yeah, I probably could use a better phrase than that. Too bad, I just can't take that back. Um, yeah, sometimes they're actually so excited that before they even get to the front door, they're talking to me. Yeah. You ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. You know, they're not at the front door and they've just let out all these details. Right, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That sounds absolutely great. What exactly are you talking about? Um, you know, I get all the details first, and then uh, I have to slow them up and just go, okay, so you know, that's cool. What what exactly are we talking about? And that's kind of how one John starts as well. Um, you know, he's bursting out with a bunch of details, and then he tells us what the details are about. Uh, just you look at verse one. He just bursts in. There's no special greeting. There's no g'day, I'm John. Uh, there's nothing like that. He just starts. Uh, there's no formalities. He just starts um, um, spewing it out. Uh, you know, 
And that's what, have a look at verse 1 there. No intro. No formalities. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Right, he starts with the details. Uh, there was something from the beginning uh, that, that some heard and saw and contemplated carefully, uh, that, they, that they touched, you know. Well, that's great, John. Well, what are you talking about? Tell us what you're talking about exactly. And he says, I'm talking about the word of life. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what I'm talking about. See, John the Apostle is writing to tell Christians the truth about Jesus Christ so that they don't get devoured by ravenous wolves, devoured by false teachers that could rise up from inside the church, teaching twisted truths about Jesus Christ. He's writing so that um, they and us might be um, strengthened in our theological convictions Strengthened about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? He's, remind, he's writing to remind us of who Jesus really is and deepen our understanding so that we can smell that theological rap when it comes running our way. So who is, who is Jesus? Who is this word of life that he's talking about? Well, thankfully, John has given us more details in his gospel. Right? In John 1... Jesus is also called the Word. Most of us would know that. Um, and then we could spend a very, very long time sort of fleshing out what does he mean by the Word or the Logos. Um, but today, we're just going to think of it this way. When, we, when we, we think of Jesus as the Word of God, let's think of it this way. Jesus was the exact expression of God. Jesus is the, is the very expression of God in all that he says and thinks and does, right? In all of his character, in every possible way, Jesus expresses exactly who God is in his being, right? Jesus is the exact imprint of God in human form. That's important. In human form. So what does John say about Jesus the Word? John 1.1. 1, 1. I'm sure most of you could just rattle this off very easily. But let's read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Fast forward to verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now in this passage, uh, there's five truth claims about Jesus that you need to know, right? These are going to help boost your assurance of salvation and help guard your faith. From outside the church, there's false teachings from um, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and many others that 
they're going to disagree with what I'm about to say. They would disagree. Um, and also, as we've learned already, it's possible that there's people inside the church as well, um, whether it's this one or any other, that would disagree with what I'm about to say. Keep in mind as we go through these five things that Jesus is the Word. Number one, the Word is eternal. He was in the beginning. He was from the beginning, as, as John says. Right? The Word of life was from the beginning. In other words, Jesus uh, existed from eternity past. Number two, the Word has always been with God. From eternity past, God the Son has always been in close relationship with the Father, uh, face to face with the Father is the language that's used. Number three, the Word is distinct yet equal to God. They are distinct but they're also perfectly one. The Word is God, John says, and there is only one God. Number four, the Word created all things, which means He is eternal, He's self-existent and all-powerful. Right? No wonder John calls Him the Word of life and even eternal life. Number five, the Word became flesh. This eternal Word, who has always been in perfect relationship and unity with the with God the Father, who is God himself, and made all things, entered into time and space as we know it. Right? The Word became a human being. And this agrees fully with our passage today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. The life was made manifest. He appeared. And we have seen it. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and made manifest to us. The word of life, Jesus Christ, became a human being. This is a, a major reason why John is writing to the churches. Because there's people in the church who deny that the Son of God was fully human. And we'll go deeper into that later in the series. Um, but for now, just keep in mind that some of the people uh, in the church then claim to be, who claim to be Christians denied that full humanity of Jesus Christ. Because, because John knows, right? If, if someone truly has the Spirit of God, they're not going to deny the humanity of Christ. Listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. 2 John, chapter seven, uh, 2 John verse 17 is very clear. For many deceivers have gone out into the world... Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Heavy words, right? But John knows 
because he has heard, he has seen, he has touched Jesus Christ. He was a human. He was a human. Jesus was born of a woman. I dare anyone to tell Mary Jesus wasn't him. Slap you. Right, John has John has felt the flesh of Jesus Christ. We have a, we have an eyewitness, first-hand eyewitness. He has felt the flesh of Jesus Christ. He's touched him with his own two hands. Right, and John knows. And he declares that he was really and truly human. John leant upon Jesus. Well, Jesus, he saw Jesus sweat. He seen tears running down the face of the Son of God. John ate meals with Jesus because he was hungry and thirsty just like us. John saw the flesh of Jesus torn open by the scourge. He saw the piercing of his hands, feet and side. Blood and the fluid ran out of his physical body. They lifted his corpse, they wrapped him and buried him. Right, and perhaps the most amazing thing of all. This could be the most amazing thing out of the whole Bible. Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, appeared in physical form. In physical form. He's holding on to that flesh. The Son of God. The disciples saw him. Jesus rocked up. He ate and drank with them. Jesus himself said this, See my hands and feet. That it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see I have. Straight out of Jesus' mouth. What else could that mean? John has heard, he has seen, he's carefully contemplated this. His hands have handled the full human body. God, of Jesus. Jesus remained fully God while taking on full humanity. Surely your brain is melting by now. I can barely contemplate these things and mush just happens. Just like the eternity past thing. just Which tells me these are God things. John knows the reality of it all. And some might say, well, does it really matter anyway? I mean, does it, does it really matter? Why should John go and call these people deceivers and antichrists? I mean, can't we just be kind to one another and, and you know, just, just let it slide? No. 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 It's false teaching that can't be tolerated by our cross. But John is willing to speak the truth in love. That's what he does. If anybody does, it's that man. Now just keep in mind, 
that there's a major difference between a Christian who is growing their understanding of these things and someone who outright rejects these things and is teaching them to others. There's a major difference, big time. According to John, these are antichrists and deceivers. Right, John, what he's doing, he's a pastor who's guarding his flock. That's what he's doing. Because he knows that it was necessary, absolutely necessary, for the Son of God to become fully human. Right? Salvation depends on that aspect. It really, truly does. Your salvation and mine depends on the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. It's a must. It's a must. He had to be human. Here's just six reasons why. The implications of these are huge. There's no way we can possibly jump into all those this afternoon. But here's six reasons just for starters. This should get keep you busy for the next decade or two. Number one, Jesus had to be human to represent us. Right? The Bible describes Adam as the representative head of humanity. But he stuffed it up. Right? <laughs> and because he did, because Adam fell, we fell. Jesus came as the new representative head of humanity. He obeyed where Adam failed. Right? Jesus, Jesus lived the life that we were meant to live. Jesus uh, perfectly fulfilled the law of God in all that he did. Right? Where we failed, he did it. And he did that in our place. So he had to be human to do that. He couldn't represent us if he wasn't fully human. Number two, Jesus had to be human to become our sacrificial um, substitute. Right? If Jesus wasn't fully human, he couldn't have paid the penalty for our sins. Right? He couldn't have been our substitute on the cross. Um, Jesus died the death that we were supposed to die, bearing the full wrath of God. That was meant for us. He took it. He was our substitute. He had to be human for that to take place. Number three, Jesus had to be human to become the mediator between us and God. Right? Uh, God the Father. The only way he can do that effectively is if he is fully God and fully man. Number four, Jesus had to be human to become our pattern and example for life. Right? We can't follow uh, spirit, right? We, we, need this, we need Jesus to set the perfect model and example as a human. Number five, Jesus had to be human uh, to be able to sympathise with our human experience. Right? No one understands your pain and suffering and mine more than Jesus Christ. No one. Number six. Jesus had to become human to set the pattern for resurrection life. Right? Just as he was raised from the dead, so will we be. Right? So there's hope in the humanity of Jesus Christ. It cannot be rubbed out. It's a must. 
And there's much more we can say. But um, for now, let's just thank God that he would send his son to do such things. I thank Jesus that he would humble himself um, for us and our salvation. This is no small thing. And no one else can do it for you. I tell you, there is no one else. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Who else could be your substitute? Who else could live the life that we were meant to live? No one. Right? It's only through, G- through Jesus who came to represent us. We stood in our place. It's only through Him that we can have forgiveness of sins, eternal life, to be adopted as God's children forever. It's only through Jesus that we can have true fellowship with God. It's all because of Jesus. Now these are huge claims. It's no wonder they're debated constantly over and over and over and over again. They're huge claims. It's no wonder that Jesus is the most famous man of all human history and the most controversial as well. Um... It's no wonder he could perform miracles and no wonder he could claim to forgive sins and promise eternal life unless he was both fully God and fully man. Right? Jesus is the one and only God-man. That's who he is. Right? He is eternal and life itself extends from him. He's like a spring and everything flows out of that. Right? No one else can, can grant us eternal life. He is the source of it source of life, the giver of eternal life. There's no other hope apart from him. There, there is none. Amen. Apart from him is only death and darkness. And John talks a lot about that in his letter. You're in the light, you're in the dark. Right? You're either dead or alive. There's no, there's no in between. It's no wonder that John wants Christians to be sure about who Jesus is, right? Can you see why he's writing? Like, can you see why he's writing against this this false teaching? Um, Yeah, well, right, yeah. This is where I'd usually have an illustration, right? Um, Helps the brain to have a rest and uh, helps join the dots for the next bit that's coming. Today I got nothing. Um, <laughs> I'm just being glad and honest here. Um, don't really know what's going on there, but it was meant to be about um, proclaiming and, and bringing bringing people to you. Anyway, scrap that. I just went to the dictionary and looked at a um, definition of proclamation instead, um, and it said this. This is the definition of proclamation. It's a public or official announcement dealing with a great matter of importance. I say that's pretty good. And what we're dealing with today is a proclamation of, 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 of great, it's a, it's a great matter of importance. It really, truly is. Um, here's the proclamation in verse 3. John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you say a good and right relationship with God is a great and important matter? I would say so. There's nothing more important. So this proclamation is pretty up there, right? All that John is telling us so far, all that he said so far is very, very important. Right? And John's just proclaiming Christ just like the other apostles did before him, right? And in this verse, we have the reason for this proclamation. The reason is this, so that you and I can have fellowship with God and one another. Right? It's the declaration about Jesus Christ that makes true fellowship with God and one another possible. So what is fellowship? Well, on a very basic level, sharing with others in a common interest. It's a pretty, very basic uh, description. The Christian fellowship goes way beyond that, right? Um, true, true Christian fellowship is centred on Jesus Christ. Right? Our common interest is Jesus and eternal life. Because whoever comes to Jesus in repentance and faith are brought into a brand new relationship or community with God and one another. That's huge. We're no longer enemies of God, enemies of God, but children of God. We're no longer strangers, but brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, what of that? Like, that's huge. Our common interest is the family of God and living it out. That's our common interest. So we now share our life together because of Jesus, right? True Christian fellowship, it's really about participation. Participation in gospel life, right? There's lots to talk about there. Lots and lots of us. But today I just want to make one point about it. Just one if SCC is interested in seeing others drawn into this fellowship and into fellowship with God, then we must proclaim Jesus Christ. We must make that proclamation. It is a great and important matter. And it's the corporate responsibility of every believer to proclaim that message. Right, just as John is proclaiming Christ, uh, to us, we're responsible to proclaim Christ to others. That's a vital part of our fellowship together. You and I, we must, we simply must promote the gospel in every single way we can and proclaim it as often as we can. Because our shared interest is Jesus Christ and seeing others come into that relationship with him and us. And together we can figure out how that looks, what, what's the best way we can go about that. Um, and together as a fellowship, we can be a bright, burning light in this, in this part of the world, in this darkness of the world. We can be a bright light. Samuel Rutherford said this, Many coals make a good fire, and that is a part of the communion of saints. Many coals make a good fire. Right? We are the coals, we're the embers. Joined together, we're a bright, burning light. How beautiful is that? Together as a fellowship, 
God, we seek to love one another because of the great love that God has shown us. And John talks about that later in the book. And together, as a fellowship, as the family of God, we extend that out beyond these doors because we want others to know Jesus. We want others to come into the fellowship and experience Jesus Christ, that new life that he gives. And what will be the result for us personally when others come into that fellowship with Jesus? Full joy, complete joy. Just as John writes in verse 4, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So that our joy may be complete. In 3 John uh, verse 4, he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. In other words, John's greatest joy is to see people come into fellowship with God and live in obedience to him as part of the family of God. That's his greatest joy. What if God used you to bring others into the fellowship? What if you shared the gospel and God used you to bring that person from death into life? Death to life. You and I can be part of that. We are part of that. What if God is just waiting to use your personal testimony as part of that? We've all got one. Spurgeon said this, There is something that every believer can do for his Lord. He must be able to tell of what he has tasted and touched of the word of life. And if he has not tasted and touched it, then he is not a child of God of God at all. The best teaching in the world is experimental. Nothing wins upon men like personal witnessing. Not merely teaching the doctrine as we find it in the book, but as we have felt it in its living power upon our own hearts. When we begin to tell of its effect upon ourselves, it is, a wonderf it is wonderful what power there is upon others in that testimony. I'd love to know how many decades of Christianity are sitting in this room. <laughs> Tempted to pull out a calculator, but I see the time is ticking. <laughs> I'd love to know how many testimonies are sitting in this room right now. What you have heard, what you have seen, it's given to us to proclaim people are perishing. Oh, help us Lord. First John is a testimony. It's a testimony. It's an apostolic cry that's been echoing throughout the generations since the first century AD. And this cry is a proclamation about Jesus. And that echo is carried forward with the disciples. It's carried forward by people like us who are in fellowship with God. We have a joyful 
task to carry out for the king. This is why we have the letter of 1 John. So that you can be sure about your own relationship with Jesus Christ. So that you can be sure that you're walking in the light and not in the dark. And so that you can be strengthened, really strengthened in your witness for Jesus Christ in this world. It's why John writes about what he has heard and seen and touched. He knows. He knows the truth. And we have it right here. We have the truth. We have the gospel. We have a testimony. As we work our way through this book, we're going to grow in our assurance of salvation. Our fellowship will be strengthened. And by God's grace, our joy will be complete as we see others brought into the fold of God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, praise your holy name. Praise you, Lord God, that you would send your only son to live the life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserve to die in our place for our sin so that we can have fellowship with you so that we can have forgiveness of sins eternal life but even more that we can have you Lord God praise you God would you help us, Lord, to know the truth, to stand firm in the truth, and to proclaim the truth about Jesus Christ? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.